0: You're listening to the relationship-centered learning podcast, a podcast to inspire and empower you to be a difference maker in a dysfunctional educational system. Hear weekly from adults and students who are having a radical impact in the education space as they share from their minds and hearts, giving us practical tools that we can take back to our classrooms and campuses. Here to take you outside the educational box is author, disruptor, and your host, Kevin Curtis. Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone on today's episode, I get to sit down and interview Chelsea McKinnon. She is an assistant principal in Frisco ISD in Frisco, Texas. And Chelsea had just been a participant in our three day training, a certified specialist in starter practices specifically done for Frisco ISD. So we jump into a conversation are some takeaways from the training, but also some just takeaways of what a good leader should look for in putting relationships at the center of all learning. Chelsea has some key points to guide staff and to also guide leaders as they start to consider some of these approaches and what are some qualities and characteristics that leaders should exhibit. It was a really fun conversation. I really loved Chelsea's energy. I can't wait to connect with her and extend some of our conversations with Frisco ISD, but thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome to the Relationship Center Learning Podcast, where we put relationships at the center of all learning. I am super pumped that I get Chelsea on the show today. Chelsea, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Absolutely. So, hey, Chelsea, just like every episode, we always preach and teach connections before content. We're going to do that in what I call the Flip 5 GTKY format. So, Chelsea, I'll ask you five get-to-know-you questions, and you can Flip 5 back at me. So, question number one, are you a runner? A lifter or what kind of exerciser are you? Oh,
1: I am a CrossFitter through and
0: through. I wake
1: up at 4 a.m.
0: Are so you serious? Every
1: day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I love the community part of the CrossFit. I, I struggled, and this is not with anything CrossFit, I struggle with the Olympic lifts. I have really poor shoulders. And yeah. as much as I worked on my form, my, sh- I've just had a hip replacement and a shoulder re- kind of con- reconstruction to a certain extent, but yeah. So I always, I love the community because it's an accountability piece that I miss being like solo working out or having that workout. The community aspect to me was the number one reason that drew me to CrossFit. So kudos for that early morning commitment to intentionality yeah. and to health. So Question number two. All right. So then if we stick in the workout category, what's your favorite brand? Are you an Adidas, Nike? Are you what? Are you committed to one brand or do you mix match brands?
1: I actually mix match a lot, but a go-to favorite, again, the CrossFit, I would have to say is a company called Noble. I love Noble stuff. It is awesome. It is comfortable. It's a lot like Nike, but a little bit different. It has a CrossFit kind of brand to it too. So
0: I'm a fan. Absolutely. I actually have three pair. In fact, yeah. I have the high top chocolate brown workup, workbook. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, look at me. See, in fact, I even wore a pair in a training one time and some people were like, Did
1: you? I oh, feet. I didn't even
0: look." No, 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 they weren't on my feet this last time at first oh. but I have in the past. Oh, I, Oh, I have a shoe addiction. I love shoes. Yeah. I probably have like over Here. 60 pairs of shoes. <clears throat> oh, yeah, no, I have a closet just for shoes. So, I mean, when you're going to go out and you want to, you want to look good, you, wanna good. you want to feel good. Your feet sure. not just feel good. You want them to look good. So, but oh, no, yeah. I'm well familiar with the brand. It, it definitely helped me lifting, particularly in those, those Olympic lifts or other lifts. So uh, question number three, okay. if if you think about this, it's just a, a simple question. What's your favorite meal of the day?
1: Uh, dinner.
0: Dinner? Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. See, I'm a breakfast. Mm,
1: yeah. In right. fact,
0: I could have breakfast for dinner. Like I love breakfast food. So when I travel, my favorite thing to do is go to like diners or places that sort of like breakfast all day. Cause you know, they're just, it's, it's amazing. I don't know, but I, I like dinner, but I like breakfast for dinner. So simple question. Mm -hmm. Question number four, what's your favorite color?
1: Oh, purple Purple. right now. It's almost always on my nails. Is there any,
0: is there, can I ask you, is there anything that just drew you to purple or is it like a school color? Was it just something you grew up like?
1: That's an awesome question. Um, Short answer would be, I have always kind of followed after my sister. My sister's favorite color was purple. I actually just lost her in October um, 2020. But um, purple also stands for royalty as well. Um, And so it's just something that I have, kind of embraced along with my faith and whatnot. So everything I have is purple. My pens I write with are purple, all of that.
0: Well, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss. I've lost uh, you. As you heard, I've lost all three of my siblings. It's just me and my yeah. sister, but I love that. I love what I love about your answer is that it has so many different meanings, but it has meanings. And so yeah. if you can read between that, that there's so much there. There's so much there to it. Mine is blue is simply I love blue. I got blue eyes. I went to a blue high school with a blue. I don't know. I was just kind of drawn to blue. I, I really I wish I had a more emotional response to blue, other than I like it. Question question number four. How do you put on your shoes? Are you a shoe? Are you a sock sock shoe shoe? Are you a sock shoe sock shoe? How do you Ooh. put on your socks?
1: I mean if I'm thinking about it? I think uh-huh. I'm a sock, sock, shoe, shoe kind of girl.
0: I think most people are, but occasionally I get that person that's a sock shoe, and I'm like, wait, stop. You got one sock and one shoe, and on. there ain't nothing on the other foot. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm like, okay, so you know, you just you just never know because everybody does it different, yeah. right? All right. Question number five. If you could co-star with any actor or actress in any type of setting, who would you want to co-star with? Mm. These are supposed to be easy questions. Oh, okay. Well, like I'm just like who's your who's your favorite? Okay, let me if you could sing with somebody, Jason if you could Momoa act with, just he's
1: gorgeous. Who's that? Oh, who's man. gorgeous? Jason Momoa. He's oh, Oscar, oh you know, Game yeah. of Thrones. Oh. He's a great looking man, a great actor. Um, As-
0: absolutely. No, he, he's, he's, what, he, he's definitely a man crush. I think for most people are yes. like, how did we not look like that? Right. Look, hey, at, you. Yes, look um, at you. Good thing that was question <laughs> number five. We can flip that right now. Okay. Chelsea, what you got for me? Okay.
1: Really easy. I'm an English literature major. So what's your favorite book? Question
0: number one. Oh my goodness. See you. I thought you were going to be easy. I'm not a reader, Chelsea. Oh, I'm not a reader, oh. but if I look back at, it at, at audio books, I think they're, I don't. It's so funny is because I'm not an avid reader. I read for requirement or for knowledge. I don't read for pleasure. That's a good question. I would say lately, either Dare to Lead, Brene Brown, you know, uh, Brene Brown and in, in, in the work that she does. I mean, it's just... It's so it's so impactful. Um, And so when I when I read Brene's work, it makes me like pause and have to like write stuff down. And it makes me think like, oh, my God, like it's just so reflective, but yet so powerful. And so it like pulls and pushes you at the same time, if that makes sense. Right. Like it pulls on you and then it pushes you to like, are you going to you going to do more? Are you going to do things different? So one of my favorite Brene Brown quotes is, is I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to get it right.
1: Oh, I love and it. I will
0: tell you, Chelsea, that's like life. I tell people that all the is. time I'm two failed marriages. I've been jacking this model up for years. Like, look, I'm just trying to get it right. Like, a, you know, like just give me a chance. But, but, yeah. but, but I'm trying. That was the key point to that word. always
1: that awesome. I love it. Um, question two is even easier. Favorite sport? Oh, football
0: football. I was a football, baseball coach and football, baseball player. got a chance to experience a little bit of college football, but football by far to me, just, um, I don't know what it is. It's not even just the contact. It's not, it's just, there, there's a chemistry in football that is very hard to describe that. Um, it resonates with me by far football, by far. I love it. Um,
1: okay. Favorite movie of all
0: time. Yeah. Green mile, green mile. It is one of those movies that when I look at it and see it, and John Coffey, oh my god, just sounds the same, spelled different. Tom Hanks is such a great actor, but I love this, this, the story that it just draws me in. Green Mile is such, just such a powerful movie,
1: love it, that's a
0: good one. Um, four is what makes you laugh the most? Um, man, I'll tell you what, what makes me laugh the most? I think kids. I mean, I I think when I watch kids, I I always tell people all the time, you know, if you're ever having a bad day, go spend some time around kids. And when I mean that, like not in an evaluative way, like sometimes, and, and I take, I hope my listeners don't take this to heart, but sometimes I will go to my special needs classrooms, my self-containing units, and just like hang out with them because they got no, no worries in the world. And go they right. just, they put things in perspective. Or if I'm having a really struggling day with secondary kids, I go hang out with elementary kids, you know, just get a different perspective. But to me, kids make me laugh because they have very little filter. They'll tell you if you're fat or not. They'll tell you if you're like, why do you have no hair? You know? And I'm like, you know, you know, whatever it is, right? You're bald. I'm like, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Right. (laughs) You know, whatever it is, but they say it in such a, a, an endearing, but naive way that it it doesn't tend to hurt my feelings more than like, man, these kids are raw and real and they make me laugh all the time.
1: That's so good. Last question, best question. Okay, it's karaoke night. What's your go-to song that you know every word to, and it's just your pump-up jam?
0: Oh my goodness! Well, the hard part is, I think I know every word. You know, (laughs) that's so Chelsea. The hard part is, I don't. I know many people would think I know all the lyrics, and then you're like, no, you don't, right? It's very. I was a DJ. I love so much Mm different, so many different music, and so you know, I and I have karaoke just a handful of times. So I'm not a big karaoke. But it's so funny, is is in honor of DMX recently passing, I'll go with DMX because I'll be up in here, up yeah. in here. That was when I was coaching. In the year two thousand, that was our hyped up baseball song. Like we would, we didn't have a bus. We literally back then you could still travel in vans before they made it like you couldn't do that with kids. And so I'm not not joking, Chelsea. We would show up to the baseball field, and the band would open the doors, and the kids Mm -hmm. would come out, and we would be like this in the parking lot. And in my and the other team would just be like, what the heck is? on they're like we didn't arrive like that our coaches not play music like that and I was like yeah that's why y'all aren't as successful as us but no anyways it's fun I love music it is definitely something that connects us and so I think that's a that's a great last question to end on and in honor of DMX and his passing I will definitely choose him today good one All right. So that is Connections Before Content. Uh, Chelsea has such a great energy. She has lifted my spirits here. So on this show, before we get started, just remember, if you want to know more about Connections Before Content or our conference or our RCL Facebook group or anything else about us, just reach out at rclfirst.com to check us out more. All right, Chelsea. So let's get into today's conversation. So, you are an assistant principal in Frisco ISD. So, let's tell, give people a little bit of background on how you got into education and where you're currently at. Oh,
1: okay. So, I got into the education world straight out of college, I went to um, the University of El Paso. Um, UTEP, go Myers, uh, where I went for a soccer scholarship actually that took me out there. And I stayed and I taught straight out of college at 21, brand new um, at a awesome high school, Austin High. And I fell in love with one. I was coaching as well. Of course, the kids and athletes, you get that different connection. But the demographics of that campus was just so interesting. It was unlike anything I'd ever really seen or experienced being in the Dallas area. Um, And I just got to connect with kids that I would have never thought I would have been able to. And I kind of learned early on that I loved relationships. I loved mentoring to kids. And throughout the coaching and the English teacher side of me, I've just fallen in love with education. So I knew from then there. It wasn't going to be about a job with a high paying salary. It was all about what do I feel like I had a purpose doing? And I went to work every day happy. And, you know, I can still say successfully 11 years later, I'm still going to work every day happy I'm here, being blessed to work in Frisco ISD. It's just an amazing, um, ever-evolving district um, with different challenges, different demographics. Um, diversity and inclusivity is just something that we really focus on in this district. And I just love my job every day.
0: Oh, Wow. Well, you, man, you made me like, want to be an educator all over again, Chelsea. Like you were like, you made it sound so amazing. No, I know. No, it is. But I'm saying you made it sound so amazing. I'm like, hey, man, like I wish my, I wish my journey sounded like Chelsea's. No, no, no. So, so we'll start here real quick. And I kind of mentioned this before the show. So we recently just, we'll just start with Frisco ISD since you, you said right there. So we recently got an opportunity to have our Certified Specialist for Restarter Practices, a three-day training in Frisco ISD. So, so what are some of the takeaways that you reflect on? Because here's the hard part, Chelsea, and I don't people don't, this would probably for some listeners, they're like, you had a PD for three days. And I was uh, like, no. you know, we held these people hostage for three days. Right. And it, sometimes it feels that way, but, but ultimately you're getting to experience the content, build community, all of these people, these, these things from our perspective. So what are some of the takeaways that you're taking away from those, that three day experience? I'll call that a three day experience instead of a PD with us.
1: Oh, good. I like how you changed that up as an experience because I think that was exactly what it was. PD can usually be a little mind numbing, right? Too much information. But what I really liked about this training is it was something that I felt like I could instantly take away and implement on any campus that I was on. It reminded me of the reason why I got into education and that is relationships. So a big takeaway that I had that you guys continue to touch on was if you don't connect with me, why should I connect with you, right? Why should I content with you? So Mm -hmm. you have to, um, I think there was a a talk part where Alan mentioned um, a TED Talk by Rita Pearson, which is someone I saw when I was first getting education. I loved loved that um, champion kind of talk, right? And kids don't learn from people they don't like. And that is something that has always stuck out to me. And that is so true. So from the first day when Alan came in with that crazy energy, he was just talking about, you know, what restorative practice Look like? Why do we need it? Um, and how? While focusing on this proactive type of techniques and strategies in the classroom, we can come out so much more successful on the back end, right? Our kids can have yeah. higher engagement, more rigorous learning. After, <laughs> yeah, I can keep going. I don't want to. I don't want to sell the the program. Nope. Oh. Honestly. You can't do anything with kids until they first know that they trust you, they like you, and that you have a vested interest in them. Um, and so that's something that here at Frisco we're so passionate about, me as a person I'm so passionate about. Um, so I literally took 12 pages of notes and my principal's like, Uh-oh. girl, slow down, you know, because everything y'all were saying was just so good. Um, it, it was just an amazing three-day experience. I wish it could have been the whole week. Um, I could have sat in a room with you guys and asked you uh, of questions and scenario-based questions um, situations, because it's just what we need to be focused on um, in campuses.
0: Well, wow, well put. So side note, I think from a person who helps unpack the content and provide the experience, I would be interested. And I truly mean this, LC, um I would love to see a copy of your notes. Yeah. And the reason being is, is we should, you should, we should set up a time where you just scan those and send them to right. us particularly. And the reason I say that is I think it's, it's, it's in worth investing to see what, you get at it from your perspective. And I think that's what we try to set ourselves apart is being by educators for educators is like, well, what is the educator experience? Because that's what we wanted to be. I don't, I sat and do too many PDs Chelsea to, to sit and go, okay, we're gonna make these people like notice the word, make these people sit here and go through this. And, uh, and I'm gonna be very vulnerable. I've been doing this in for almost six years consecutively. And I pretty much have written all the content and developed all of the concepts from experiences and trial and errors I mentioned. But you know what's interesting is it hit me literally on day three when I was with you guys. It hit me well as I was debriefing at the end of the day and I was driving to the airport to fly back. I kept asking myself, like, what 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 what, what is different? Like, what is different? And it, it was crazy because. Out of all the years that we've been doing this, and we've been doing small group facilitators with those breakout groups, yes. since th- I was doing that with TEA in UT, the University of Texas, when I was doing service center trainings when I first left. But you know what's so funny is, is that it was the first time when I left Frisco, I said, that's it. Like, that's 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 the golden ticket. Like, because to me, we were able to unpack the content. You were able to go experience the content, practice the content, how the how-to, but- while you were simultaneously building relationships with your small group, right? And with your facilitator. And I'm like, when you put all those pieces of formula together, and I look back at my 23 years in education, I'm like, Chelsea, I have never experienced another PD that you break out into small groups and you get to do all of that stuff. Everything is sit and get or turn to your table, you know, turn to your shoulder partner or read this, you know, and and I started thinking, I said, I, I felt proud. Yeah. I, I like felt proud, of like, we are making a difference because pre-pandemic, you know, we were killing it. And then the pandemic, was sh- mm-hmm. not really quiet, right? Everybody was preaching and teaching about relationships. And then it just like didn't equal to phone calls or emails. And I was like, everybody's talking about relationships, but nobody's doing anything about it, right? Or at least okay. on my perspective. Okay. So when you look at the small group facilitator part and for, for my listeners, just understand what I'm talking about. Me or Alan or Alan and I would unpack the content and then you would break out into a small group on a 10 to one ratio roughly. And that, you're, that small group would be the same group that you break out with for three days. And you would do this sometimes four to six times a day. So you're getting to experience the tools, practice the tools, ask questions, how the how-tos. But then you're also like getting to know each other because the tools unpack get to know you. And so before you know it, you're building a community with that small group. So that was an aha for me. And I truly mean this. Out of all the years I've been doing, I left Frisco ISD and saying, that's it. So would you agree when you talk, when you think about that experience of how I describe it in small groups, it makes a big difference?
1: No, that's absolutely perfect. Um, And what you'll see when I share you these notes, because I'm a Google fanatic, so everything's on Google Docs and I can easily share it with you. Okay. Um, I raved about Jerry in a section, right? Talking about Those are the components that you want to have when you're taking these processes back to your your campus, right? In the classroom and kind of how you want to model for teachers. This is kind of the exact just informational settings that we want to provide for our students because they learn best when not only do they get information, they're able to to practice. They see it modeled successfully. Then they're able to kind of have this comfortable environment to try to fail, to fix, and then to try again. Um, And so that's what kind of made this training so exciting because I'm like, this is what I want to be a reflection of my my classrooms right what it yes. also looked like I learned so much and even if I wouldn't have wrote it down I would have still remembered it because of how powerful those moments and that kind of connection and community that we formed in those small groups um, so it just made me want to take this back and replicate it for our teachers so that they can turn do it and replicate it for their kids because again like you said I found eight other individuals that were in the district that I had never really known. And I'm like, I know so much more about you. And I know you won't judge me. Well, cause I, I know like how you put your socks on and your shoes on, you know, because you are normal like me. And then I can talk about serious stuff when we kind of dive past the shallow and we get into like the little depth of the conversations. Um, that is just that relational piece that we want our kids to know and to have. And I and that's why I love this training so much. I went back and I raved about it because all PD should be like that, right? Where yeah. I feel um, not only confident in the material from just a sit and get portion, but I'm able to model it, practice it, and feel as if I'm an expert as I leave that room. You yeah.
0: Know? We, somebody used a term with me, relational capacity. And mm-hmm. yeah. um, I certainly didn't create it, but I love the concept of it because that's what we're really trying to create, right? For everybody, everybody's capacity is a little bit different, but that relational capacity is what we're trying to build. And in fact, it's so funny, the first time that we actually like not broke out, but when we took a little bit deeper dives into this material, we used to call it a uh, CBT, capacity building team. It was a capacity building training. So relational capacity. So I'll just segue into this last part because this episode is not about promoting us, but I, I was telling Chelsea, this is the very few time I ever get to talk to somebody shortly after a training. So last thing you talked about it, then you get to go back and practice it. So I'm just going to ask you directly, have you been able to see or experience or practice anything that you took away from the training to go back into the real world? And did you fail or did you like, you know, see a difference or, or anything like that? Can you share something with that with us?
1: I sure can. So I actually brought a teacher of mine who's a rock star math teacher. And she has a very challenging course load this year in particular. Uh, Some very nice, diverse personalities in her on-level classes. You know, they're always great, especially with those freshman classes. Um, And I was just giving her the challenge of do um, a two-minute connect, right? Just see what that looks like, how it works. Um, And they're heavily boy-populated classes too. So it's very interesting when you have that dynamic in a class because sometimes they don't want to share, right? Because they don't want to try to, you know, say they're too cool, quote unquote. But um, she jumped in effortlessly, laid the foundation and did that. And they responded so well. You know, yes, it's in the end of the year. So they're a little bit more comfortable with one another. Um, But she did that. And then a week later, she did a actual get to know you a circle. She did a circle and the circle was so good. The kids opened up and they were actually It's just amazing. I was able to sit back and kind of join that conversation, but allow the boys to to lead. And it's just powerful again. And we always want to jump in as educators because we're like, Oh, it's so good. Like, yeah. You know, so again, the nonverbals, if we had an a area to, to improve upon, I think the more you do it, the nonverbal praise is always so hard for kids, you know, um, oh. until they get it down because they all want to say the, oh, yeah, me too. Oh my gosh. Or it was nonverbal and they're still making a whole lot of noise while they're, you know, going crazy. But it's just so awesome to see. And it's awesome that she takes that information back to her PLC and talks about the power of that connection and how she transitioned back into her main lesson of the day or right. how she used a two minute connect to kind of close everything up and recap, and they loved it. So now they are going to try that in their other geometry, Algebra 2 classes with higher learners too, just to see the dynamics. And we're going to collect that data. We're going to try to pilot that in different pockets of departments to see what that looks like, collect that data, and then make it kind of a non-negotiable at the beginning of the year, right? This is what we're doing. If we're saying we want to do something different, if we are saying we want to push SEL, then we got to make sure our kids know we care. Um, And we got to make sure that they know that we're learning. We want to learn about them as much as they want to learn about us. And we think it's just going to promote a better environment. So I'm just really excited to see where it goes. And we're doing that, committing to it at least once or twice a week, and
0: it's so awesome. That's awesome. That's Well, first of all, thanks for sharing that. So what's interesting is, is that you had just shared, you know, because I, I love the fact that you have teacher leaders and teacher people are willing to be vulnerable and willing to go out there and do something that's a little bit not the norm, you know, and build these things. So there's two things. One, that's why, you know, for any teacher, we tried to build in tools that take not, you know, not necessarily and kudos for jumping out into that circle running already. Kudos <laughs> on that. But the crawl, walk, run like, you know, for us, those two, anything less than two minutes, you know, the reason that we developed those titles, and there were so many conversations about building the titles, whether it was this minute or that second or whatever, is because I'm telling you with the teacher mindset, right, a title in the vocabulary, which we talked about in the training is so powerful. It was coming up with tools that took less than two minutes because then those right. teachers that say I don't have time, and I'm like, look, I'm a secondary person. I taught integrated physics, biology, chemistry. I was testing, you know, pressure at the high school secondary. I taught freshmen, so I'm gonna tell you again, I taught freshmen, so you know, so I get it. But please, please yeah. don't try to convince me that you ain't got two minutes to try yeah. to try and that's what we try to just connect with kids but all you have to do is unplug from academics for a minute get to know your students in a very structured organized methodical way that's right. that, that's designed so that it isn't a free for all conversation and it doesn't just let trauma in and, you know so i i i struggle with the people that like Oh, so this is like, not just a free conversation. I'm like, no, it's structured. It's organized. It's time. There's a direct outcome, cross connection, student to student, student to teacher, teacher. Like there's all these pieces put into it so that if you jack it up, you know, at least you'll be like, well, okay. Like you said, nonverbals. I mean, Chelsea, I, I preach and teach this for a living. And I will tell you, there are times on this show where I have to do this. And I sit back. And the reason yeah. I sit back is because you say something so powerful that I'm like, I want to jump in. And I'm like, I'm you know, if I listen to people who do podcasts for a living, I'm probably the worst person to host a podcast because I'm supposed to make the conversation all about you. And I'm like, but what about this? You know, and, I, and next, you know, I'm like, Kevin, you've hijacked the conversation <laughs> for the last 30, you know, two minutes. And it's really about them. So I'm just as guilty. I'm human. I want to jump in. I want to interrupt. I want to have conversations. So what I've learned is seriously, and for those of you that are, you're not, you're you're not watching, I literally push myself back to sit back. Cause if I sit back, I'm further away from the mic and I'm less likely to interrupt and jump in. So Chelsea, just know the guy who's teaching it and preaching it is struggling with the same things you're struggling. And that's what I tell people. I'm not an expert. I'm just experienced. And there are days that I'm better listening than others. What's your thoughts? Yeah, so true.
1: I love, love, love that. Uh, one of the things you asked me earlier on too, and I'm kind of going back in a, in a little circle. Um, what was one of the powerful takeaways too? Um, I think is when Circle Mama came on to, she always did this thing, what I call as the mic drop. Like <laughs> she would start talking in the back of the room and they kind of creep up towards the front as she's like slowly like increasing her pace and her just flow of her words. And she is powerful. You know, some people just have it She just has it, you know, Uh, but she mentioned a statement and she said that all humans want to be, want to feel valued, seen and heard. And she repeated that a couple of times. And I wrote that down. I put it on my Twitter because I have lacked the words for that. But that is what I think is foundational to how I interact with individuals in general. Um, And that's how I kind of try to lead in general. I read a book a long time ago um, called Lead Like Jesus and just loving people in general. So that's my philosophy as a leader um, is I just want every time I'm talking to someone or a class full of someone that I'm trying to individualize it enough so that they see that I care, right? Because I feel like you can connect with someone, then you can converse, teach, learn from. It's just kind of limitless. So um, that was super powerful. And then as as a leader, not even someone in the classroom, a takeaway that you guys continue to talk about was how leaders need to be able to give their staff just the power and permission and the freedom to try these things. I think nowadays in education, we get so focused, hyper-focused on um, score, right? And trying to be data-driven because we're trying to successfully accomplish something um, that we sometimes forget, right? That we really should be student-driven, people-driven, focused on them um, first, and then knowing that people do, like you just said, Make mistakes, grow, right? You want to jump in and blurt? I want to jump in and blurt all the time too, but we got to let teachers know that it is okay not to be perfect. And I think if this year has taught us anything as leaders is there is no perfect in in humanity, right? Everyone has their up days and down days. They have their struggles. They have their, their shortcomings, but at a successful campus, a successful team kind of works together, builds off one another and they connect, right? And through that connection, they kind of fill in where the other ones leave off. And I think that's what this this program, this, uh, this training allowed us to kind of, kind of realize it and just remember why we're in education and why we do what we do. And even though it's just a crazy year with a bunch of unprecedented changes, that if we get back to just that statement of everyone wants to feel valued, seen, and heard, I think we can go just... So far. So that's why I'm so excited about this. That's why as soon as you left, I think I was in the training when I emailed you about wanting to be on the podcast. Because so I was like, I just need to stay connected to these people because it's my love language. This is this is why I'm in education. So I'm just super excited.
0: Well, first of all, thank you for the positive and the affirmations and kind words. Yeah. Second of all, without throwing a little shade, Denise has it. That's why I hired her, right? <laughs> no, Denise has it. So first of all, Denise creeping up and whatever. And that's because I've been trying to get her to build confidence to get in front of the room. She's just not there yet, but we're getting there. Right. Mm-hmm. Second of all, valutine and hurt is my line. The girl's stealing oh my, my word 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 out there. So that's what I'm trying to say, but you're like, Denise said valutine and Heard. Mm-hmm. I just talked to Denise today about that. And we were just talking. So I'm just, I'm just on a little shade. It's so it's all in fun. No, yeah. but literally I said it one day at a training. And, and what's crazy is I have some of these like power and permission, right? When you walk into a room, don't evaluate, participate. I don't know where they come from, but just they come from experience. But I had said, I think everyone wants to feel valued, seen and heard. In fact, I don't know if we got a chance to show it to you, but I'll email you a link to see it. We created a video based on that. I wrote a little script and I had middle school students at Heritage Middle School with James Whitfield. They had let us record them and it said, see me, hear me. Value me. And then, so at our student conference last year, well, before the pandemic in November, we had a shirt that said, see me, hear me, value me. And on the back, it said, connect with me. And we had over a hundred students at our conference. Chelsea, because we have so many schools in the DFW area, and it was at Irving, and so they just kind of located, but we had students do circles and breakouts, we had students at the door, we had, it was the student connection conference, we had a student keynote that said I was going to commit suicide, but students and teacher connections are the only thing that really saved me, not even my parents, who are both educators, it was the connection of educators that really transformed my life, so when you say value me, see me, and hear me, it's interesting, because that is, I say every human being, but when I say every student, it just has a different connotation versus every human. When I say every student wants to feel valued, seen and heard. So when you walk in your room what you have to be thinking, how am I going to connect with my kids today? Generally, GTKY, just get to know them. But how do I make the? How do I make Chelsea feel valued, seen and heard? Right. And I think there are strategies that you can do that. So simple, simple things like this, Chelsea. I came in, and and the reason I say this, there's a parallel here. I came in, Alan trained day one and day two, and I came in day three. So Alan got to know you guys the first day, and you got to know him, right? Share his stories, anecdotes, things like that. Now, did you notice on day three, I moved around the room a lot more, like up and down the rows, no sight So Because to me, I always say teachers like big kids. I don't know how y'all lined up in all those little single desks, but I guarantee you y'all some people picked the back corners for a reason. Some people picked the back rows, some people picked the first rows, and then some people just had to fill in wherever they got, right? But my whole point is, that's why it was important to like use your name that day, right? Because once you use someone's name, all of a sudden you're like, "Hey, Reagan, right?" And she's like, "Yes." right? All of a sudden, you're using people's names. So what's interesting is, I don't know if the participants really realize it. I'm doing the same thing. That a teacher should do in a classroom, which is not stand in the front of the room in one spot, right? Move around up and down your rows. Let the people in the back know you hear and see them just like you do the people in the front row. Use their names. Make eye contact. Smile, right? Like talk to people on the breaks. Share things that are vulnerable. And I don't think most people truly understand that the entire training is a model of what we're preaching and teaching. Because literally, it's so interesting. One time I was doing a virtual training and I, c- I can tell you because I don't know of an educator that does not believe connections before content. I think all educators are like absolute in premises, in theory, right? It sounds good. But I literally on a virtual training one time on a feedback, one person said, I don't know why the presenters shared so much personal information about his beginning at the beginning of the training, like about the loss of his brothers. And wh- I wish he would have just dove right into the content. And I'm like, but yet this educator was like, this was impactful, man, I can see. And I'm just like, how did... How did connect, A K E me, who I'm coming in like for you, day three, I got to make a quick connection. Alan's got two days of building a relationship ahead of me, right? I got to come in. I'm the teacher coming into the classroom like a substitute teacher. I'm that teacher coming in and the new teacher. You've had a teacher for two days. I got to make a quick connection with you. If I'm not vulnerable and I don't share things that I'm feeling were there, you're not going to get a chance to know me. You're going to wonder who this guy is, right? So it was it was, it was, was mind-blowing For this educator to put on an evaluation, a formal evaluation, like, I don't know why he shared this information. Why did he, like, we didn't need to hear all that. I'm like, lady, you missed the whole point of that, right? Like, you heard everything today, but for some reason you missed that this instructor of content today was literally modeling everything that I talked about. I mean, is that what is your takeaway when you hear something like? I mean, did did you realize what I was doing, or was it subtle to you too?
1: No, I, I absolutely realized what you were doing, and like I said, you can look at my notes and be like, "Oh, she picked up on that." She said this, you know all of the things that you were doing were the perfect model for what we need to take and, and put back in. Cause it, it created the, the ease. It, it made the material more comfortable because we've seen it done. It was modeled for us. Not only did we get to practice it, but it's not, you took away the, the effort, right? So it almost looked as if we could easily absorb it. We have that differentiated approach and how it's going to look, whether that's elementary, middle school, or secondary, you know, how we can take that and just put it in immediately. If you, I'm going to be honest, if we're sitting in a training and a person just from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. just hits me with straight facts, I don't really know how much of that I'm going to retain, to be completely honest, right? Because yeah. I'm after 5, 10 minutes, I need to move. I need to do something. I need to talk. Or I'm just kind of tuned out, just like our kids are, right? So you and Alan moving and making eye contact and using names, it kept me engaged. And then if you didn't use my name, I was like, well, what do I got to do? <laughs> <laughs> I can't what's, answer. A
0: question. what's, what's Chelsea got to do to get her okay. name mentioned out it? I like, what? heard Chelsea in
1: twenty eight minutes. <laughs> I need. To, like, I'm
0: not, I'm just kidding. Um, no, then, no then but I'm see, not. no, but but see, what it is is like. Wait a minute. He made me feel valued, seen, and heard, and, and, and it ain't happened in thirty minutes, right? and yeah. It, it is so funny because, like uh, Jody, and when I mispronounced his name is Jordy, I was like, th- I don't know where it went football on me. I was in like, Jordy Nelson, but he was like, "You knew my name." The other twenty examples that you use, and now you jacked my name up. I'm like, uh, sorry about that. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. But, but I, it's so funny because Chelsea, I, I'm trying to get our listeners to understand. Yeah. Let's say that you don't have anything to do with our trainings. You don't have anything to do with us, right? But you're a listener. Hey, if you're a listener, think about it. Just make eye contact, smile, and use people's names. Like if I could give you three strategies, just simple that. Make eye contact, and smile, and use their name. And then lastly, just move around the room so that people in proximity feel heard and seen when you're in their area. Like to me, like that is the, and I don't even think about it, to be very honest. I It's so natural now. That's just what I do. But it's just so interesting how some people are like, I wonder why, I wish you would do more of this. And I'm like, or why did he do that? And I'm like, everything was intentional. Like I I said, another phrase, you can't wing relationships, right? So like, I'm not winging today's presentation. Every slide is either a head slide, a heart slide, or a hand slide. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it, we're all about giving you information. As you said, we can only retain so much information, right? But you can only speak to somebody's heart. There's a capacity, right? Like, are you, okay, okay, emotion, 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 emotion. Like I'm emotioned out, right? Yeah. And then you can only give me so much tools. So I think the... The formula of success, besides a small group and having people like Alan have the experience and can motivate and all those other things, I think you have to find the right amount of head, heart, and hands. That's what I, so when I develop my curriculum, it's all about head, heart, hands, head, heart, hands. And if teachers would think about head, heart, hands, right, then they would be like, okay, don't give them too much information. Give them a little bit of something emotion attached with that information, and then then they give them time to practice it or experience it. I think if you if we could if we could educate and head heart hand style in those three pieces together in a balance, I think we could really start to slowly transform what we think education used to look like yeah. to what education should look like. Oh,
1: so you did the thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to give you all the affirmation, like yes. I almost hit you with an amen and a preach because. Uh-huh. That is what I love. I wrote it down, Head, Heart, Hands, and we, we we tell teachers, hey, we want you to be very intentional about lesson planning and making sure it has all of these particular components. Why can't we say? It needs to have components of these because you have different types of teachers, teachers who are like you, like Alan, charismatic by nature. Right. You could just open your mouth and you are good at connecting with people. And then you have teachers who are amazing teachers, very knowledgeable in content, but they have a little bit harder time connecting with people. Right. They don't have that. It's not natural. So they're like, I need a process. I need a logical step pattern. Well, boom, there it is. Head hands, right? I can't overload it. I got to make sure there's an emotional connection, attachment of some sort, and then a tools or a modeling or they're hands-on and they're presenting, whatever it is, a combination of those things can really Just take a normal lesson to the next level. Right. And that's what we're trying to do. How are we framing the lesson where kids are engaged the entire time? We're eliminating that dead moment. Mm. Whoa, these two minute connects, these different phases where we're transitioning between, hey, here's the facts. Here's the emotional capacity, how it makes you feel, how you're connecting to the real world. And then, hey, model it, use it. Here's some tools present it. You know what I mean? So all of those components in um, a lesson. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. It makes me want to go back and write something down and and try to craft it because that's brilliant. That's brilliant.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And like I said, it it really comes from experience and it's, it's interesting earlier, not that I am done learning, but I have really spent, I mean, I was traveling in Chelsea at one time up to 150 days a year. I mean, it was literally like half the year was traveling, it seemed like, and I didn't have time to read. My like my life experiences was this work. A school calling me saying, hey, Kevin, this is not working and we're running into this one. Hey, Kevin, we're a school district and we have PBIS and SEL and we want to incorporate restorative practices with it. Hey, um, you just trained us, what is coaching looking up? But now you went to coach him and you're like, so like you just mentioned earlier as a school leader, hey, let's 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 dabble in this and then let's come up with the non-negotiable. Well, years ago, I would tell you, I was training, but I was I never had the conversation. So what's going to be the non-negotiable? Cuz if you bring me back to coach, what am I coaching? Chelsea if like if they, if you'd say, "Hey, cuz I'm going to tell you, I walked into some districts that spent a lot of money on this Chelsea, and I walk in, I'm like, what am I supposed to see?" They're like, "Well, we told the teachers like it's voluntary and like Whatever they want to do, they could do, and I'm like, but you're paying me back to come come back to do what? Like to, I'm not doing a staff development at a faculty meeting. I'm like supposed to walk into classrooms and see this in action and give them some feedback, tell them what what I would think or whatever. And and so that's why I say all of the 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 content that you're that you're getting to experience is all comes from experience. I mean, it really is from trial and error, and I think that's what resonated with you that day, which I could tell. I was getting the amens from you is that I think some people just need it broken down and just need it to be real. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I I'm far from fake and I'm far from perfect. And I am, and I'm far from making this model. Perfect. I don't think there's a perfect model out there, but I think there's a different approach that if we, if we consider this approach and the only thing I did, it's funny. Cause Chelsea, do you know how where the, um, it's interesting the connect calendar came cause I was working with a school in California and this teacher, you know, he was, I guess he didn't have a good day. And he was like, you don't understand. Cause I, we were debriefing at the end of the day. And he was like, you just don't understand. Like, you're not here with us. And I said, sir, you're right. I'm, I, I would never portray that I am in California in your classroom on a daily basis. And he, and he said, you know, there's some days that my classroom's on fire or underwater and I just listened to him, right? Remember, everybody wants to feel violating and heard. And so I just listened to him, right? Just like we do with parents when they're irate, right? And but at the end, I said, sir, then I hear you completely. And I can't even imagine the what's being your shoes. I said, so then I have one question for you. If you find a moment, and that's how I phrased it, a moment when your class is not underwater or on fire, what's gonna be your plan to connect with your kids? And he said, Well, I don't have one. And I said, exactly. And he kind of looked at me and I said, that's where the deficiency is. See, that's where the gap is. See, then you're going to wing it. And this is what it looked like. Oh, well, I tried that tool and it didn't work. And I'm like, well, what, 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 did that, what did that try look like, right? Oh, well, I threw out, anybody got a good question? I said, no, 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 no. Right then and there, you opened yourself. That's Pandora's box. Because you could kid can be like, what's your favorite website? And somebody's like, you know, porn.com, right? Like, I'm just saying, like, kids are going to... And I said, so you already set yourself up to fail right there. Well, what do you mean? I said, you should have already had your questions ahead of time. I said, didn't you build 10 at the training? Well, yeah, I don't know where that sheet is. I said, okay, well, I'm just saying, do you want to go to 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 the website? I got a bunch of questions. I can send you questions, but I guess start to the questions, right? I said, so right off the bat, you failed with a question. Then the conversation went off bounds. It took three minutes instead of whatever time. And then you're blaming the tool. And I said, and it wasn't the tool. It wasn't, you were lack of preparation. It's just like when you wing a lesson, because we've all had to wing a lesson. I don't care what you taught. And you look back and you're like, God, that was horrible. (laughs) Right. But if you reflect as an educator, what we were taught, we're like, well, it it should have been horrible because I wasn't prepared. Right. So connecting before content, they both need the same skills. Right. Hand, hard hands. But they both need preparation. You you need to be intentional. It's got to have an outcome driven. I said, what was your outcome that day? Well, just to do what you asked us to do. And I'm like, no, see, you were just checking a box. So, but you know, what's so funny is, so I went on the, I went on the board on a whiteboard and I said, so what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? And I drew it up on a whiteboard. And that's literally how the connection calendar was created from a teacher in California that was struggling. Isn't that crazy?
1: That's so awesome. I love it.
0: But you know what? Quick story. I know I'm dominating the conversation that I said I shouldn't do this. But you know what, Chelsea, and I tell people all the time, they're like, how did you like, develop these tools? And I'm like, well, it's through trial and error. I was working for another company that was doing my tra- I was doing my trainings, but they subcontracted me. And they said, and this was early in my career, and they said, we need more participant engagement. And I said, okay. So you know how the 60-second relay break was literally born? Here's how it was, Chelsea. Um, I had, we were using conversation cubes back then the little cubes that you can roll and they had questions already on them. Right. And so what's funny is, is I, I had all these people at these seminars and there was a cube sitting between them and I would put up a green circle and it said, get to know your, get to know your neighbor. Right. And I said, every time a green circle pops up, roll the cube and have a conversation over that one question, whenever you roll, it was random. Right. And I would just walk around and listen to the participants. Well, if you listen to what a 60 second relate break is, right. And it was time, there was a timer so they could time. And I would walk around and I used to call it a quick connect. And so I was just like, oh, that's how the 60 second relate break was born. It was born out of a professional development setting where my participants needed more engagement and more getting to know each other. And that's how I drew up. That's So it's when you look at this, it was all trial and error. It's all experiences. But then when we took it back to the classroom and we're eavesdropping on kids, teachers are like, I didn't know that about you. Just like you said earlier, when you learned about your coworkers in the district, it is amazing when you don't focus on academics and you put a very structured, organized, methodical way with an outcome of cross-connecting in front of people. And you say, okay, get to know each other for the next 60 seconds or two minutes or whatever it is, people get to know each other. Cause that's what it's designed for. I
1: love it. That's so good. That's your mic drop moment
0: right there. Oh man! Well, I hope Cassandra pulls that one. I hope you're listening, Cassandra. She's the one that Dr. <laughs> Darcy's is the one that listens to all these episodes and pulls these drop, mic drop moments. So, so, so as we're starting to wrap up this episode, Chelsea, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to take away from anything else. I mean, I want to definitely honor your time. But as you, I was talking with a person earlier on the podcast earlier today, and she brought up a very very vivid visual for me she had said she was a school leader and she had said when we do when we envision leaders we envision them as perfect right like they're they're like so when she said that she was talking about like leaders are not supposed to make mistakes because if they make mistakes right they seem they're not good leaders and and i think you know i i I think that we somehow develop that vision of leadership and it's been infiltrated in from, but think about it, it goes from the president down to any political figure, down to any leader of a company, a CEO, right? Chelsea, think about it. Every single person who leads an organization or a political party is expected to have no skeletons in their closet, right? Expected to be that leader that's great looking, charismatic, who doesn't have two failed marriages, who hasn't jacked up his, his relationship with his daughter. Like, that's me. I've jacked up life. And so what's crazy is, is when you see this, I believe until we can get leaders to be more vulnerable, it's not going to trickle down to get teachers me vulnerable. It's going to start at the top. What is your per- perspective when you when you kind of hear it to put that way?
1: I think it is 100% spot on. So you, you kind of touch base. Like, Everything that we now hold tight to um, in education from like the past, all of that needs to be deconstructed, right? We we think that leaders can't make mistakes, but we want to create a risk-free, safe place for teachers to make mistakes, which doesn't make any sense, right? When you think about it. So um, I try very hard, and I think our campus here and our district does it very well, is it is a, leaders are builders, right? We build together and that is our job. Our job is to struggle and is to fail and to show kids and teacher and staff members that it's okay to fail. It's just not okay to stay there, right? So I have no issue telling a department, or being in team meetings and being like, ooh, I messed that one all the way up because I'm okay with being real and being honest. And I think that there is some beauty in vulnerability, right? You, you get to learn more about yourself, learn more through a reflective process. And that's what we're modeling for our teachers. And that's what we're modeling for our kids. So no human being is perfect. And I feel like if everyone has that clear, conscious thought, everything would be just a little bit better, right? We, we hold kids... Like to this huge standard that they have to be perfect. They have to be to class on every class on time. No tardies, right? They have to turn in every homework assignment. They're not supposed to fail any assignment. They're supposed to master every concept. And and it's weird, right? Because that's not human nature. To to, to be human is to to fail and to have flaws, right? And we we talk about how flaws and being different is great. But then here, sometimes we put kids and teachers on a pedestal, like it's not okay for them to make mistakes. So I think to start this new transformation formative leadership process, which we have, right, where we're building up people around us, empowering those around us, is we have to let people know that it is okay. I'm not always here to evaluate you. And even in that evaluative process, it's a collaborative process. It's us talking. It's where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? And how can I help you get there? Um, That's the same conversation I'm having with my teachers, because that's the same conversation I'm expecting them to have with their kids, right? So it's everybody should be reflecting that whole site. And as a leader, I'm not afraid to apologize. I think I apologize. 82 times a day, right? To so kids, the teachers, but again, it's building that culture of it's okay. You are human. I understand you're human. So I lead with grace. I lead with love. I lead because I value you. I want you to be better. I want you to know that you're seen and heard and we're trying to get you to thrive and shoot and strive for something. But along that process, there's going to be breakdowns. There's going to be Times where you fail, and that is okay, right? Everything on our campus should be able to be reflective of that. From our grading philosophies, and you know, standards-based grading. Great, if you don't master that concept, try again. Show me you have mastery of that concept, and then we can change those grades by waterfalling, right? So, all of those practices should align with that philosophy. Is it's okay not to be successful the first time? We just have to reflect and try to figure out how we can get better. And that is happening through that collaborative process. So I think leaders in general have to be comfortable in showing their failures, showing their mistakes, and showing, hey, okay, great. A mistake isn't something that's a stop sign. It's just, hey, we're yielding for a second. We're going to look. We're going to talk. We're going to reflect. We're going to shift. And then we're going to try again. And I think that process is going to help campuses just Continue to be amazing, um, and I think that's what this training is about, right? Knowing the relationship, having that meaningful accountability, being able to give that permission to teachers to just try and, and fail, and it's not held against them. And I think when that culture is created in campuses, boy, I mean that's that's the world class organization that you want to be in, right? So that's what I would say to that leader: it's okay, you know, have those open conversations and say. I'm going to fail, you know, and I'm okay with that. Just give me the feedback. Give me the the, the talk and the collaboration so I can get better and and knowing that that's okay.
0: Wow. I, I can just tell you um, just by listening. And I truly mean this, like that last, that last little speech right there was inspiring. And yeah. the reason I say that is no, the reason I say that Chelsea is, is because, you know, I tell people, I want to be a difference maker. I want to be a disruptor. You know, because you said we have to, like, we have to, I forget the words you use, but we have to break down the educational system, right? We, 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 it's, and I feel like the reason that I was pushed to this work and the reason I found my passion was because I said, okay, we can do this, but you can't eat an elephant in one bite. And so I just know. I'm very patient. I don't know how long I have on this earth. And I don't know how long we'll continue to be asked to do these, these, these processes and practices. But at the end of the day, if, you, if somebody gives us a platform and believes in what we're doing, then we truly believe that, that change can happen. And without that belief and without that spark, I mean, then 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 there's no authenticity. Then there's no, you don't get Alan or myself leading it. You get us like just regurgitating information. And, you know, because I was uh, at one time, somebody literally said, um, I can put a bunch of quotes and slides together and read them. And like, and I'm like, but that's, that's not what, that's not what our training is. There may be some quotes and slides that say some things, but there's a story or an antidote or a meaning behind it. Like, it's just a simple quote, like James Comer's quote, right? No no significant learning occurs without a significant relationship. But we lean way heavily into just the quote. So it's not about a quote or a, a, a meme or it's literally, as you said, it's about changing and believing that we can change education. But my thought was, what if we could just change Chelsea and Frisco ISD? And I'm not saying you needed to be changed. You were already, you were on the first row in the first pew. You were raised, both hands raised for all three days. So my point is, but we need Chelsea's on the first row because Chelsea's on the first row who think and act and represent everything that you're saying is what I think education needs more of. Now, that's my personal opinion. So what happens is, is as they're experiencing this work, some of them have transformed. I have had teachers say, I was considering retirement, and now you've made me second guess. Like, to me, Chelsea, that's, that, that's movement. Even if, even if they still retire, I, that's not, I, like I told you, I wasn't there to convince, convert, or condemn. I was there to convict. And at the end of the day, if you can get people to move slowly, I believe a systemic change will happen more slowly than it will quickly. Because that's why I tell people I don't want to be a program. I'd rather be a process. So how many years have you been doing CrossFit? Did you say 11? No,
1: teaching for 11. I've been doing CrossFit for, you know, okay.
0: four. Okay, sorry. I remember there was 11. Okay, so teaching for, okay, but four years of CrossFit. And I'm going to make a, I'll make a correlation here. I'm going to assume that when you first did CrossFit, much like me, you struggle with the form.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Right. There are so many people that are looking for PRs and personal right, personal records, and 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 particularly in CrossFit, we're looking for to push ourselves. But what I loved really about CrossFit was is like if we don't get our form down, nothing else is going to matter, right? And do you know how many people I know in the CrossFit world that would work just religiously hard, right, diligently hard at 4 a.m. and kudos for that 4 a.m. But they work every day and they're not necessarily getting that PR. But, they, but they've spent six months working their form and doing everything and compete, you know, doing things. And next, you know, it happens. And uh, I did a quick talk, but that's what, that's what like, Nick Saban makes a difference. When Nick Saban at Alabama, the, I watched a quick thing on him, and he said, We don't focus on championships, we focus on the process. Mm-hmm. If you do the process, a national championship can happen. But if you focus on a national championship, then you're not focusing on the process. And I think coaches like Nick Saban and people like yourself and people like me that are willing to focus on the process and know that the direct outcome will occur, we just got to be patient. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, that's what this work is about. It's about patience. It's about slow movement. I, if I go into a room and move one educator today, sweet, I moved one educator today. I know that we're moving more than one because I see it, hear it, feel it, and get the responses. So I know what we're doing is making a difference. But if a district wants to move slowly, I tell them, never bite off more than you can chew. Uh, My my biggest prayer for districts that implement anything, I say this with anything, Chelsea, not just us, never, never implement more than you can support. And never implement an initiative that you can't support. If you can't support it, then what is it doing there? Because you've just sent the signal, which is archaic, which is, oh, we just got to wait this one out too, or that's what we're doing this year. But next year it'll change, so we just kind of like just got to wait our wait wait our time through it. I mean, you've been in education long enough to experience those things, and so for me, that's that's what I want to do. I want to disrupt, and make a difference, one educator at a time.
1: Love it. <laughs>
0: Well, Chelsea, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I want to give you an opportunity. You did such a great job earlier and you might have already, you know, given all of your mic drop moments, but I do want to say, is there any closing words or anything else that you think we need to consider from your experiences? Oh,
1: no, that's a, that an intense question. Um, no, well,
0: in other I words, anything. Kind of,
1: yeah. No, I mean, I loved just being a part of this. Um, you said that That's your purpose and your passion for doing what you do. I think I'm very similar. Um, I got an education because I love people. Um, I think that's really what it boils down to. Um, I wanted a position and a job that I was able to go to and be happy to laugh throughout the day and just to spread a little bit of light and positivity in our world. And I think the education was the best place to do that. Um, So being able to kind of meet you and your company and just meet people who are like-minded, who love kids, who love individuals and just kind of promote this just like reflective process where you're continuously growing and just getting better and just spreading that positivity is just absolutely amazing. You know, like I said, I have way too many notes, but I'm super excited just to continue to break them down and, and try to put them into motion here because I think it's it's wonderful. All of it is just awesome. So yeah. I appreciate being able to, to get to know you, to learn a little bit more about you um, and this whole process because it's just been phenomenal.
0: Well, and I will extend this to you, Chelsea. I think you you had, I was listening very intently earlier and you had said there was so much that I wish we could have had some of those follow-up scenarios and conversations and those types of things. So I will say, Chelsea, and um, I'm going to just throw this out. You you could grab a hold of something for that, that group that was in that room that day. I would have no problem supporting uh, uh, once a month or however frequency, if you want to set up a Zoom time where we could get together and just have follow-up questions, scenario-based, those types of things, there is no charge. This is not about making money. This is about supporting the work that we did. Like I said earlier, why would I help support something? Why would I start to implement something that we weren't willing to support? And so I would tell you, Chelsea, if that, I always remember the needs map. Right. What does your student need? If you believe, if Chelsea, if you need that, I promise you, somebody else needs that. Yeah. So what I would say is, is reach out to your cohort or whatever you guys are established at, or even if it's just a small group of like-minded people that you feel like could benefit from some further conversations. Let's set up a time that works for you that um, we could just jump on a, you know, a thirty. Forty-five minute set of time, whatever, and let's just set up a Zoom so that we can continue to just have follow-up conversations and answer questions and those types of things. Because I think the more we talk about it, like just even today, one of the reasons I love about the podcast is not only do I get to continue to meet people and get to know them, but believe it or not, like every episode of like sixty-four episodes have. Left mic drop, little gold nuggets of little pieces of information. And, you know, as I, as I still endeavor into my second book, I'm so glad I didn't write it. Because Mm -hmm. the conversations that I have with people like you, Chelsea, reshape even me. So, just know that the relationship of an edu- another educator is sharpening my sword and really helping me start to digest and understand this. Even after six years, I'm far from that expert. So, I'm gonna thank you for not only affirming us and you being affirmed, but for giving something back. And I think that's what we're not too proud of. We're not the experts in the room. And I have learned so much from you today as we finish up your energy, your devotion to kids you are an example of putting relationships first. You're at the center. You you, you seem to have always find a way to put relationships at the center of whatever you're doing in life. And so your your relational capacity is higher than most. But at the end of the day, the fact that you're willing to do the work because you have two feet in education in a time where some people have one foot in and one foot out, because this is the most difficult year we've had in in our recent history in education. And I completely understand that. But to speak to somebody like you, Chelsea, that not only has two feet in, but are committed to kids and committed to adults to help change them and help them grow, but yet doing it vulnerably mm-hmm. says a lot about who you are. And not only am I glad to have you on the show, I'm just glad that we were able to make that connection. No, oh, thanks. Don't make me cry. Well, it's
1: great. <laughs> well, that was not my goal. <laughs> but it, no, it's so nice. It's no. Awesome
0: absolutely. Well, let me just tell you and I say this just like just like with the spark, everybody's bucket needs to feel be yeah. filled. And Chelsea, I have I have gracefully been able to affirm people when they've needed it the most. And so I'm just trying to let you know that today whether whether God anointed this conversation or anything else, let me just tell you that maybe you needed to hear that today. Maybe today so maybe that's what I'm trying to say. So that's So just know the affirmations are genuine and real and sometimes very godly in time point. But I would just tell you, like you and I and I say this because you think you get to know me. You genuinely inspired me today. You you have made me and I'm not kidding you. I have a whiteboard right over here to my left and you have made me want to go write down a few more thoughts and pieces to take a deeper dive into So this conversation has not just hopefully been impactful for my listeners, whoever listens to this podcast, but you know what, for me, it's selfish. I created this podcast for me to connect with others and just wanted to share the conversation with those that were willing to listen. But no, Chelsea, seriously, you have been thought-provoking, inspiring, and um, we just need more educators like you you so much. Absolutely. So just like anything else, I would just tell you, Chelsea, thank you for your time. Thank you for your connections. Thank you for putting relationships first. And thanks for being on the show. For our listeners, thanks for tuning in and we'll connect with you next time.